On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about putting the win in Windy City. We try to control our excitement for the Packers' defense and decide where the panic level is for Rodgers and the offense. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. Trubisky to the end zone and it's going to be picked off. It's Adrian Amos who comes back to haunt his old team. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the undefeated Mike Pettin defensive scheming. LaFleur with the first win, game ball stealing. J.K. Scott got me Chris Berman back, back, back squealing. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, definitely not dealing. Smith boys keep the Bears a-reeling. Can I get an amen? We leave in Chicago kneeling. Pack it up, Packers podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to write that one? Uh, all week, baby. So this is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, Foos. I'm going to expect an intro like that every time now. Got <laughs> to win. We got to win. It's going to be a lot shorter if we lose. Uh, but let's let's dive right in like an Aaron Jones one-yard run. What is your biggest takeaway from this win over the Bears? Honestly, my biggest takeaway is they look like a team again. They look like they're having fun. Even when things were not going our way, uh, they found a way out consistently. That, that was my biggest takeaway from the whole thing. Yeah, even some of the locker room footage was exciting about just the, you know, the camaraderie. They had Preston Smith and Zadaria Smith waited for each other to finish changing before they did an interview side by side. A little reminiscent of the New Orleans Saints running backs. Uh, Kamara and Ingram from last year. So it was cool to see that. Mine is who would have thought we got T-shirts being made for J.K. Scott and that we're talking about our defense. <laughs> and who I know we thought? always we always talk about field position. I think that was one thing we were worried about was the Bears defense being so good that the offense can't get rolling constantly in this field position battle. Scott took that all the way on multiple occasions. And it's unbelievable, especially that 63-yarder at the end. It's just it was crazy. The thing I, I guess I take away is I, I feel confident in two things. The first is I've watched thousands of football games. And the second is I've never been this excited for a game that had 13 points or less. It okay. was just it was a defense. Yeah, totally. It just felt rowdy. It felt even though the offensive side for both teams was atrocious, it was just fun defensively to just watch these monsters go at it. Um, so I think we could probably talk for an hour about everybody on the defensive side. Um, where, where do you kind of look at it, Dan? What was your kind of biggest takeaway, especially from that pass rush? Yeah, you really got to start with the pass rush. I mean, I, I started making notes for today's podcast and I, I was looking at snap counts and all these different statistics. And I said, you just can't start talking about this victory without the pass rush. It's something we haven't seen a consistent pass rush from the Packers that was causing issues like this in quite a while. And it's really exciting for what it could mean moving forward. So some of the things we saw that, you know, hadn't existed in years past, really, we had talked about it on previous pods. We were really counting on Clay Matthews causing some disruption and the rest of the guys to clean up, you know, whatever mess he could erect in the backfield. Now we've got this, this double A gap front that Josh and I had talked about where uh, some are calling it a mug front, but what they're doing is they're putting Blake Martinez and, Sometimes it's Raven Green. Sometimes it's, um, you know, another 
interior lineman and other times it's an outside linebacker but they're putting them both in the a gaps and that you know for those that don't know it's between the center and the guard so they're filling both those gaps and then they've got their four other down linemen right so um that's confusing the quarterback and mitchell trubisky is a perfect example on how to confuse a guy you know the, the bears team was someone that they were predicting uh as a championship contender here and i think we quelled that expectation pretty fast um so that that double a gap it confuses the quarterback in such a way that you got six guys in his face and he doesn't know who's coming and who's dropping back. And there was some athleticism off that defensive line that I wasn't really expecting. Um, Preston Smith, I thought was just a run, run gap filler. I don't know, Josh, if you knew a, a better history off of him with his days with the Redskins, but I thought this was a bigger boy in like a Mike Neal, Dayton Jones type that was just going to stuff the run, but he had some pressures that I was not expecting. Yeah, and quite a lot of speed from Preston Smith. I was impressed mm-hmm. for when when I first saw him get on the field. I'm like, dang, he gained a few pounds in the offseason. You know, get, ate too many cheeseburgers. But then see him getting the last sack of the game. You know, I mean, obviously the guy did not get tired. Um, but yeah, the, the the pass rush was incredible. We had 11 quarterback hits, and that that doesn't include all the times that we we rushed him and got in his face and you know didn't hit him. I mean, mm-hmm. when's the last time that happened? with our defense i mean that is incredible it was just consistent and there were still some takeaways you know you said preston didn't get tired he had 72 of the 73 snaps i mean yeah that's amazing when's the last time that happened they said uh zadarius smith had 92 percent of the snaps so uh, an interesting factoid there just i wanted to throw those snap counts out because I, i found it really interesting that they weren't mixing in uh fackrell and rishon gary specifically later in the game uh, you know, as fresh legs, you wear down the Bears offense, you know, they're passing because they're down seven and they need to drive the ball. Um, so I really thought our best defensive front would be Rayshon Gary mixed in with Kenny Clark and then the Smith brothers. And Gary only had six snaps. So uh, for our listeners, if you go back to episode three, we got a season long bet on Gary over under sack count at four and a half. We'll be tracking this every week on his six snaps. He had two pressures. Uh, and one he even hit the quarterback on, but he didn't get credit on that because I think it was Preston Smith was there first. Yeah, there was uh, a body in between. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he was just I'm, pushing. I'm confused. <laughs> oh man, this is going to be a long season. I'm 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 hoping you know I I really just need a sack out of him every four games you know and then stumble into a lucky one. But the six snaps confuses me because Fackrell had twenty something snaps, and Fackrell was still getting abused in the run game. He wasn't doing much on the rushing front or on the pass rush front. Um, so th- there's still room to grow there. You know, I think that was my takeaway is, um, you know, Kenny Clark was dynamic in the run game and then caused just enough uh, pressure in the pass game. And Josh, how about those safeties? Blitz? Yeah, the the secondary, you know, because we had such a great pass rush, it made it very easy on our secondary. I mean, all you had to do was stay close. And, you know, the ball was normally an inaccurate thrown ball because of all the pressure. Um, but yeah, how about Amos guys? First game against mm. his old team mm. coming up mm. big with the pick in the end zone. Yeah, we had him as our MVP of the game because even before that pick, I mean, he was everywhere. He was, it didn't matter where the ball was. It always seemed like he was on it. Um, and, and that's the crazy thing is I think for every four dropbacks that Trubisky had, he was pressured, uh, so, I mean, a quarter of the time there's somebody in his face, I think, is, is just absolutely crazy to me. Um, and I think it goes back to everybody was bringing the heat. The Smith boys only missing seven total plays and still getting in his mm-hmm. face. The secondary constantly getting into the, you know, the action. 
I think the crazy thing too is we had one interception. That was it. Yeah. You think yeah. about there probably should have been a fumble that they called Kenny Clark on this phantom uh, holding holding it's a holding call yeah. even though he's getting into the backfield of Chicago. Uh, King absolutely dropping an interception. I mean, mm-hmm. it really could have been three or four turnovers, and I would hope, even though Rodgers and the boys didn't play very well, that giving them a short field, we probably would have scored more than 10 points. I mean, it could have been a lot more lopsided in terms of Packers. So Yeah, and I, I have a couple undervalued players that I don't think anybody was expecting to do a lot for the Packers in Ravon, Raven Green and Trent right. Williams. Absolutely. These two boys showed up when they needed to. I mean, they were they were getting picked on consistently all night, but Raven Green was around the ball consistently. And then Tremont Williams was getting picked on left and right, but he answered every single time. Well, picked on just being, you know, he was getting targeted, right? Mm-hmm. And it, and yeah, the media doesn't like talking about him because he's a, a 35-year-old, you know, he's he's reached the peak of his career. But we, re, we re-watched the game Saturday morning, and, you know, there were multiple plays that he individually made a play that changed the game, right? The Bears yep. had that, that caught pass down, like, within the 10-yard line. So an easy prime scoring opportunity. But he's smart enough as that savvy vet that he pushed the guy out before he could get his second foot down. I think it was Taylor Gabriel. Uh, and that's yep. that's a play that, you know, yes, he's 35 and he slowed down a little bit, but he's smart enough to make that play where, uh, you know, not to pick on some of the younger guys because they all had a heck of a game. Uh, but, you know, it looks like we're going to rely on him quite a bit. I mean, Josh Jackson only had three snaps. And, and that's yeah. that's a guy last year that Josh Gibbs here on this podcast was predicting he was going to be a pro bowler. Uh, yeah, he can't play man. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but Raven he can't Green play man. Linebacker. He can't play. <laughs> so you know, Raven Green at middle linebacker. The Bears only had 15 runs for 46 yards. Did the Bears not expose that mismatch, or is Raven Green a an actual solution at that position? I think he's a solution, man. Oh, it's too early to say that. I yeah. don't give him. You oh, got to give him more pounds. games. You got to. I. I. It's. I think. My my confidence level is an all time high because for all, everything we've just mentioned that Gary didn't play a whole lot. King still isn't 100 percent like there's still depth there that we didn't see. Yeah, I, I, I tempered a little bit because I, I don't really think this Bears offense is very good. I know they were without burden, their tight end that they kind of run a lot of things through. But yeah. it's it, I love it. And I think. Adding that talent plus people that hadn't played yet, plus the fact that they're like giddy for each other. The fact that Zadarius's yeah. post game interview was just him <laughs> laughing the entire time was just like, oh my God, if they can get healthy and just get this mojo, I think it's scary. But I, I need to see in terms of Green and some of these other people consistently for maybe the next two or three weeks before I start saying this is a real, this is a real deal. Yeah. But. On top of that pass rush, though, uh, another thing we noticed was uh, the the Mike Pettin play calls were great all game, obviously. I mean, you don't hold an NFL team to three points without great play calling. But at the end of the game where normally an NFL team is going to go into a prevent, uh, you know, a relaxed defense where there's going to be either two safeties over the top or possibly even three or four guys dropping back, let them catch a five, ten yard pass, but not move down the four, down the field mm-hmm. any quicker than that. We were playing cover one. It was only Adrian Amos in the backfield, yeah. um, you know, just man enough in the backfield. And then it was sort of a man or zone concept, right, Jason? There were a couple yeah. plays where it looked like it was man, a couple were zone. Right at the first down mark, 
Baker every this, time. And this was all Darnell Savage. You know, we just yeah. got to talk about him. They blitzed him seven times, mm. a true safety. And there were two plays where you can't quite say like Kevin King dropped an interception, right? But there were two plays that Darnell Savage got his hand on the ball. And you just feel like, you know, give him eight weeks where he's got that confidence and he's he's midway through his first season. He's going to make a pick on one of these. So, yeah, there sure. easily could have been three picks. The fact Darnell Savage can be this guy that can play over the top, but also come down and make some plays in the run game. He was flying around. And that makes that makes Amos your stopgap, your stopgap guy on the backfield, creating that pick at the end of the game. Um, if you have a pass rush and then two safeties racking havoc like this, this yeah. is real fun to watch. The safeties are just key to this whole entire defense because they just stop the deep balls from getting caught. Like Amos was the security blanket all night long, all night long. Yeah, that's a good term for it. Yep. And that's the perfect mentor for Savage because they play exactly alike. So to have somebody that kind of fits your your style, I think is great. So the last time the Packers won a game scoring 10 or less points was against these very Bears the last game of the 2010-2011 season. They won 10-3 to in wow. Lambeau. So wow. thanks, thanks Bears. Appreciate it. Was that, was that championship year or the year after? Uh, that would have been, that would have been championship, wouldn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Redo so season prediction. <laughs> so the, the good part is it's against bears. The bad part is it's, it's 10 points from an offense that we, we knew would have some learning curve to it, but let's kind of start there with the guy leading it, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. And I ask you gents on a scale from one being pure rust. To 10 being hurt, where is Rodgers on this spectrum? Because he, he didn't look quite right to us. Yeah, on, on this, uh, <clears throat> I think it, I think it was more rust. I think it was more rust, so I, I would give him like a, a – I'd, I'd say a two. I'd say a two. Um, he, he did look old. He, he did look a little old and a little, you know, tight. Tight, I which I shall say, very tight. Um, but, yeah, two. I think it's mostly rust. Man, I wanted you to go first because I – Thought you were going to play along with the uh, Twitter take of he's a little hurt, his back's cramping up. And it's something we talked about earlier. It's something I, I'm still somewhat concerned about, uh, especially over the course of a 16-game season. But for this game, I'm going to call this rust. Uh, he was he was inaccurate early. Uh, the deep ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that was a completion. Uh, initially, you know, there was a, a running theory that that was underthrown and then the Hail Mary was underthrown and that's, you know, him not being able to twerk his back in such a way to, to get enough moxie on the ball. Well, then there, a, a replay came out of the deep ball to MVS and he was actually looking the safety off. He was looking down yeah. the left sideline mm-hmm. and he threw with his entire body opened up, just purely relying on arm strength and still whipped it 45 yards, just a little bit underthrown. So um, the, the inaccuracies early were concerning. I, I don't, I don't think any of us have an answer for that. Uh, but I'm going to write this one off to rust, which means he should have played in the preseason. Had to get that. What, what's your, what's <laughs> the number you give him, Finn? What's the number you give him? One to I, I like it too. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to agree on this one. I'm going to go ah. more than anything else. I'm going to say three. And the only reason that it scares me is when you're, when you're off where you're either leading a guy too far or you're behind, I think that's just action uh game action and not being up to speed the amount of times though that he threw a ball at somebody's feet though was what worries me it just it's one thing to get timing wrong it's another thing to just have a really bad throw and the amount of times he got up and i know it was after a sack and all of that but 
he just felt a lot slower. I always feel like he's one of those guys that gets up and kind of shows like, I'm fine, I'm fine, don't worry. He got up real slow for it being game one of the season. But I, then you look at that the touchdown kind of, there was only four plays, and the last one I think to Graham you could probably say shouldn't have been thrown. But those three plays leading up to that were about as perfect as it could be. Yep. So you would hope that we have these series three, four, five times a game, and we're right back to being like, yep, everything's fine. But it was just a little nerve-wracking, knowing that he had some back issues. Russ was obviously going to come into play, but there was some moments there that I got a little nervous. But, you know, on that touchdown pass, I, I just read an article by Bob McGinn, who is, you know, longtime journal sentinel now with The Athletic, and he said that Rodgers tossed that, you know, essentially a jump ball to Jimmy Graham because he knew there was going to be a flag for 12 men on the field for the Bears. Did you guys see that? I did not see that. I, I don't remember that being. Yeah, I don't remember that being. A yeah, I don't, I don't remember flaggers. You know, it, it sounded like it read like one of those scenarios where the Bears guy just didn't sprint to the sideline fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could explain why he was willing to throw that jump yeah. ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but he has some trust with Jimmy Graham here. You know, the the deep down the field on the seam route, the pass interference that happened later in the game. He was yep. trusting Jimmy Graham to go win some one-on-ones that I got real excited about. The the tight end usage in general, Josh, had Mercedes Lewis looks lighter on his feet. You know, speaking about Preston yes. Smith and his ability, I, I was shocked by Mercedes Lewis. I got to take all my hot takes back on, on cutting him. Yeah, me he, too. He looked, he looked like a pivotal player for us. He really did. I, you said he cut, like, what, 15 pounds in the offseason or something, someone yeah, said? Yeah. And, man, he looked like the old Mercedes Lewis. He, I mean, he was not just a blocking tight end in this game. You ready for this shocking number? Another nugget I got from Bob McGinn's article. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was targeted three times. That was the entirety of his total targets in 2018. Oof. Wow. Oh, wow. boy. And he they were speaking, successful. Speaking of uh, being non-existent, where was Geronimo? I was so boy. excited for him, mm-hmm. and it was it, it was nothing. Kumro not even involved. I think one play for him. Like it was. Yeah. Where where they go? Where they go? MVS is definitely our number two. He's he's forming into a true receiver. You know he was drafted as this speed guy, and he caught some balls on you know true hitch routes that were technique driven, not just uh, athleticism. You know winning the day, right? So I think we settled the debate on who our number two is. Geronimo. I still want to see you know the all twenty two the coaches film to understand. Was Geronimo open and we just didn't look at him? Because I'd still like to get on my my uh, my high horse about Rodgers not throwing the ball quicker. You know, I'm watching Tom Brady right now just dissect the Steelers and the ball gets out of his hand. Uh, yeah. So I know there there were some rushes on Rodgers where he didn't get rid of it when guys were open. I don't know if those were Geronimo play calls, uh, but a quiet game from Geronimo to the point that Trevor Davis uh, had a better statistical line. I mean, Trevor Davis looks like our number four right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my my take on Geronimo, and like like Dan said, we need to see the full angle view to see uh, honestly where he was in some plays. But my view was that Rodgers uh, looked a little flustered in this game, so he went mm-hmm. to what he knew was going to work: Devonte Adams, the running backs, and the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to where he was comfortable. Um, That's fair. I, I honestly yep. don't even think he even looked Allison's way. Uh, a couple, you know, I honestly don't even think he looked at him during the whole game. Uh, we'll have, you know, ho- hopefully we can see that in the other view. But that's my take on the Allison. Well, I mean, if it's a it's a really good problem if Allison didn't show up and yep. everybody else did. And, you know, there will be a game when he does shine and show what he can do. And, and I, still the Bears. Think, I still think the number two wide receiver is, is wide open because MVS, even though he led the team in terms of yards and receptions, I believe they were all first half. 
Like it was a really big right. 47 of his 52 were on one play. So if you take away right. that play, he was non-existent. That yeah, he had three catches, but they were for six total yards. I actually I got the sense that like you were saying, Jimmy might actually be that number two guy of like, I know that I'm just going to give it to the big boy. Um, but I think it should be really interesting between those two. And if Geronimo can get in and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, action in terms of getting it out to the uh, running backs. We were screaming on our text message mm-hmm. about, yeah. can we just dump it off real quick and just see what they can do? But I so think that just, kind of- yeah, that comes with the bears defense. They were just so mm-hmm. dominant. We were lucky yeah. to escape with a win in this game and how good they played. You know, to that point, we said Aaron Jones needed somewhere between 60 to 80 yards, 70 to 80 all-purpose yards for the Packers to win, right? That was our prediction. He he ended up with 39 rushing in that one catch for zero yards. But if you go rewatch that one catch, Lindsley comes out. It's a it's a halfback screen pass, right? Something from the something from the Brett Favre days, and it was a perfect play call. The Bears are playing aggressive. They're rushing up field, so screen pass is what you need to call. Uh, Roquan Smith just beats Corey Lindsley to Aaron Jones and really makes a shoelace tackle. Um, and it's a play Roquan Smith is going to make. He's, you know, it's a guy that Josh highlighted in last week's episode in previewing the Bears. He's he's just un, ungodly fast for a middle linebacker. Uh, but if Aaron Jones breaks that shoestring tackle, uh, he's got a one-on-one with Prince Amukamura, and I I like Aaron Jones' odds for gaining at least five to ten yards on that play, right? So uh, I think that's something they'll come back to getting him mixed into the screen game. So I guess I want to kind of wrap up with this. I thought it was really interesting. Obviously, it's the 100th season of the NFL. Uh, I think they spotlighted the Bears as kind of this uh, Mount Rushmore. But they had posted, Sunday Night Football had posted on their Twitter, who is the greatest Packer of all time? And I actually thought about this for like 20 minutes, but I'd love to get oh your my. guys' take of If you are picking the Mr. Packer in, in the history of the Packers, who are you picking? Bart Starr. 100%. Oh <laughs> See, you got more of the history, Josh. So you're going yeah, star yeah. over Favre. Bart Starr taught Favre how to do it, and Favre's going to do it the same exact way. Really? I got so a hard you time. Hear, you, are you going to pick Favre, Dan? Is that who you're going with? Yeah, I got a hard time going past Favre. The Packers were in a bad spot through the 70s and the 80s, and if it weren't for Favre and a little bit of Reggie White, uh, this, this 20-year run doesn't exist. So I, I thought about that as well. And then I started thinking, because I really hate uh, putting current players on pedestals. But if you look stats-wise at what Rodgers is doing compared no. to those guys. No. No, 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 no. I would pick, <laughs> no, no. I would pick Favre. But okay. I thought this was really, really interesting. So if you take touchdowns minus interceptions, Aaron Rodgers, even though he's a few seasons behind uh, Favre, has 125 more touchdowns. Than Favre, so wow. if you move all those interceptions, oh, just that like nice interceptions. plus, okay. yep, he's well, absolutely down. He could double. It's how, a great, it's a great how lucky how team. lucky are we to be talking about these three quarterbacks oh, on absolutely. the Green Bay Packers? I mean, right? yeah, it's a great stat to bring up this week too because if Rodgers had thrown a pick, uh, we we might not have walked out with a W. I mean, this game relied on zero turnovers. Yeah, I mean. And it could have happened. There was a few where it was like, ugh. But he played it just well enough that it it seemed to work out. So so week one in the books, I assume we're feeling good because if our offense is what's struggling, I would hope that we got it. I've never felt this way about a Packers Amen. team in a long, long time. So, I mean, 
We'll see what this next week brings when the Vikings come to Lambeau Field. Can we go 2-0? Can we do it? Oh, yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it. We'll see how it goes, and that will do it. And uh, thanks, everybody. Go, man. Go. Go.